With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Brian McLean and Steve Hook at State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, well, welcome to State of the Nation on today's News Talk. I am Steve Hook, broadcasting live from uh, New Jersey, the Central Shore area, and my friend Brian Hesher McLean is uh, is here from Central Texas. Hello, Hesh. It's great to see you again, my friend. Another big day. Yeah. One day. Yeah. The- the uh, news cycle is uh, minute by minute, isn't it, Steve? It's uh, wonderful to be here with you on today's News Talk. Yeah, man, it really is. I mean, and we're going to uh, talk about a lot. Yesterday, we were joking about Lloyd Austin and his quote-unquote elective surgery. Uh, I never knew prostate cancer was an elective surgical procedure, but apparently that's what it is. So uh, he had a uh, – uh, apparently they caught it early and he's going to be fine. But this whole thing, that's why we were joking yesterday, lap band. Uh, it wasn't lap band. It is uh, It is apparently uh, a uh, cancer screening, uh, and that's what happens with guys of a certain age. So there you go. We wish uh, the uh, Secretary of Defense the best of luck with that. I'm sure he'll be fine, uh, but apparently it was a prostate issue. So so there you go. Now we know the truth. It's funny because how you know- the narrative shifts there, though, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, I uh, we knew more about the chief of staff's flu than we knew about what was keeping the secretary of defense uh, from the job. But now we know the whole truth, apparently. Anyway, and speaking of uh, just blind idiocy and corruption, I had to ramp this. This is I, I don't know if you've seen this story, Hesher, but I'm telling you what, man, th- these guys, it, it, it's these guys on the left. It is so blatant and it is so in your face that is almost like they're daring you to doubt them talking about georgia right now did you hear about this fanny willis scandal that's blowing up now oh uh, you mean this is improper romantic relationship one? Oh yes exactly right a new fulton county georgia court filing alleges an improper romantic relationship between the top prosecutor in Donald Trump's election interference case and district uh, district attorney Fannie Willis, who brought the charges against the former president. Now, just listen to this. This sounds like Cook County, Illinois. This sounds like old. It almost sounds like Trenton. I'm in Jersey. It almost sounds like Trenton politics. It's so outrageously corrupt. Apparently, this prosecutor is really a two-bit attorney. He doesn't have a lot of doesn't have much of a record to speak of, but apparently he has a record of sleeping in the same bed that Fannie Willis sleeps in. According to the filing, Willis hired special prosecutor Nathan Wade, her alleged partner, to prosecute Trump and benefited financially. Imagine that from the relationship that they they both they both benefited in a big big way including lavish uh, vacations that the two took using funds from his law uh, law firm that were received uh for the case. County records show that Wade was paid nearly $654,000 in legal fees since January of 22 uh an amount authorized by the district attorney or Willis in this case. In other words, the, the you know, the guy, the lady she's sleeping with. The motion was filed on behalf of former Trump campaign official Michael Roman, who is a co-defendant in the case. 
in a bid to have the charges against him dismissed. Uh, but how's that for corruption? You're sleeping with the guy that you hire, a guy that is essentially a no-name in the legal profession. He was just a private attorney. Uh, now, all of a sudden, he's got damn near a million dollars, and they're going all over the place, sunning and funning in the tropics uh, while she's going on. And the media, of course, will never touch this story. Uh, it's coming out only because of the court filing. But uh, it's very, very sketchy, man. I'm telling you, this whole thing ought to be tossed. Uh, but but that's who they are. What do you think about yeah. that? Well, there was a time when it would be tossed for that. You know, that that would have been a very clear case of, you know, conflict of interest, maybe even something criminal or civil to be looked at there. Who knows? I mean, there should be some discovery, this and that. But uh, we all know at this point that if you're, uh, you know, one of the um, the drivers of Trump derangement syndrome or one of the, uh, you know, power brokers uh, that has Trump derangement syndrome, then, you know, this kind of behavior is just fine. It's just fine. I mean, look what the president does. Look what his whole family does. Uh, and, and look at basically what most of Capitol Hill is doing, the way that they uh, become millionaires on their six-figure salaries through Wall Street and through lobbying relationships and all this stuff. I mean, if the goal was to polarize the American public against each other politically, this is exactly the kind of thing that you would want to have happening over and over again blatantly because it presses the outrage button for so many people um, on the identity politics spectrum. Yeah, you're not kidding. And, and, and it's exactly as it's intended to do. Now, to your point, Hesher, uh, I don't know if you heard the uh, the audio, but I'm reading from the New York Post here. Two media members were heard cracking jokes over a hot mic on Tuesday. That'd be this morning about former President Donald Trump being cut down by an assassin's bullet as they waited for him to appear in a federal courthouse in Washington. So the media scrum is all there in front of the federal courthouse in D.C. And then these two unidentified male journalists who are there with their journalist press passes uh, and their camera crews, and they're outside the E. Barrett Petty, uh, Prettyman U.S. courthouse, and they're all joking about what might happen to the 77-year-old frontrunner Donald Trump. Quote, you know what the worst part is? Even if he has the window open and he's hanging out of it, he will be on the other side of the street, one person could be heard saying. I mean, if he's driving, we've got a good shot at him. Yeah, if he's driving with the front window open, perhaps. I mean, this is the way the media talks about Trump. And whenever I say to these people, you have been manipulated by a corrupt to the core media, they roll their eyes and say, oh, my God, another Trumper. It's just it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it doesn't have to be about being a Trumper to say, hey, this is not right. This is an indicator of where our media is at. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't see I, I've never seen a um, conservative media pundit go out and say that about Joe Biden. Not once. I mean, I'm sure no. it's maybe happened, but not like this, not like rampant like this. I did see that footage. It was stark and uh, I wish I could say shocking. But you know those conversations are happening, and that one just happened to get caught on a hot mic. Yeah, of course it did. Of, but of course it did. By the way, real quick, just going to kind of hit and run on this one. Uh, Menendez, uh, speaking of New Jersey corruption, Menendez is out really protesting his innocence and saying that the media is uh, 
sensationalizing these allegations against him because you know the media is sensationalizing sensationalizing bars of gold and stuff that he just happened to have and he said this is not how i wanted to celebrate my golden jubilee in the senate 50 years so that in one in one comment he just makes the case for term limits and lets us know just how corrupt he he truly is i just thought i'd get that in hey by the way tnt we never go home we're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time as we do the live broadcasting 24-7 online globally, no matter what, we've got you covered on TNT. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, well, a former U.S. Navy sailor has been sentenced to 27 months in prison for providing the Chinese Communist regime with sensitive U.S. military information in exchange for bribes. 27 months? Should be 27 years. Here with the story, TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Ruckus, uh, I guess you uh, you give state secrets to the to the uh, CCP and, and you're fine. You might do a slap on a wrist. What's going on here? And it's funny because I just reported a story yesterday about how Bill Gates's uh, tax records show that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was contributing money to organizations inside China whose job it is to steal secrets from the United States of America. I wonder if some of that money made its way back to uh, this person. I wouldn't be surprised. This is a uh, this former Navy sailor uh, received the sentence by uh, courtesy of one U.S. District Judge R. Gary Klausner just yesterday, January 8th, Monday. Uh, the person uh, who uh, is at the receiving end, Petty Officer Wenheng Zhao, uh, aged 26, who also goes by Thomas Zhao. Mr. Zhao was also, in addition to the 27 months in prison, was ordered to pay a fine of $5,500 U.S. dollars. The DOJ had sought a 37-month sentence, there you go, Steve, for Mr. Zhao for obstructing the government's investigation. That's according to Courthouse News Services. Zhao uh, pled, gu- pleaded, I always say pled, pleaded guilty on Octo- in October 2023 to one count of conspiring with a Chinese intelligence officer and one count of receiving a bribe. Mr. Zhao admitted he had, quote, engaged in a corrupt scheme to collect and transmit sensitive U.S. military information to the intelligence officer in violation of his official duties, end quote. That is according to the Department of Justice. Mr. Zhao admitted to receiving nearly 15000 U.S. dollars worth from a Chinese spy in 14 separate bribes between August of 2021 and May of 2023, all according to the Department of Justice. Uh, he worked at Naval Base Ventura County in Port Hunayme, California, with a security clearance. Oh, goody. Mr. Zhao had access to restricted military and naval facilities. He apparently secretly gathered and transmitted sensitive information related to the U.S. Navy's operational security, military training, and critical infrastructures, all to a Chinese intelligence officer. The DOJ said that Mr. Zhao also admitted to passing on, quote, plans for a large scale maritime training exercise plans in the Pacific theater, operational orders and electrical diagrams and blueprints, end quote, for the U.S. radar system, radar system in Okinawa, Japan. 
according to um, um, the DOJ's press release here, Matthew G. Olson, Assistant Attorney General of the Justice Department's National Security Division, said, quote, Mr. Zhao betrayed his solemn oath to defend his country and endangered those who serve in the U.S. military. Today, he is being held to account for those crimes. The Justice Department is committed to combating the Chinese government's efforts to undermine our nation's security and holding accountable those who violate our laws as part of those efforts, end quote. Well, here's hoping they take it all the way up to the big guy. What do you guys think? Well, the first thing I would like to throw out there is that clearly uh, spycraft from within our own military is less of a uh, jailable offense than attending the Stop the Steal rally at J6, apparently. That's a little bit, uh, you got to wonder. I guess that's our government really putting their, uh, their money where their mouth is when it comes to saying that uh, Americans of the MAGA uh, lean are one of the, or if not the, right, the most dangerous threat to national security. Uh, yet Fox News and others like to tell us, oh, China's the biggest threat to our national security. And many of our uh, conservative, if you can call them that, representatives say the same thing. Yet uh, this is how they prosecute this one. It makes it kind of begs the question is this guy a double agent? Is this a ceremonial sentencing? what was really shared oh we can't tell you okay well um and did you notice ray epps got off uh today with just probation just probation <laughs> for ray epps this is really interesting i know that's sort of not related but it's a little bit related when you think about potentialities for ceremonial sentencing of government assets yeah exactly right um put it this way uh the rosenbergs were executed uh for for leaking information like this of course it was a little bit little bit heavier it was nu nuclear stuff but they were executed this guy gets 37 months did you say uh ruckus 37 months but 20 27 uh, oh 27 months so there you go and by the way he's going to get out on good behavior uh before that 27 months is up so less than two years in jail this guy's probably going to do and he just sold out the entire United States government. And, 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 I, and I, I must, and the citizenry, it should be pointed out. But I must say that I, I wonder if it's because of who he sold it out to. He sold it out to the CCP. And I'm convinced that uh, we have a genuine Manchurian candidate sitting in the White House right now uh, in the name of Joseph Robinette Biden. So you don't want to piss off any of the, your, uh, your financial bosses, uh, you know, <laughs> apparatchiks, uh, and and I and I guess he's like, look, we got to sentence this guy because the media's gotten hold of it. But don't worry, Thomas will be free soon. It just it beggars belief, but that's that's where we are. It's just corrupt, corrupt, corrupt everywhere you look. Hate to be a you know wet blanket, but there it is. Yeah, yeah, massive corruption in our face. That seems to be an ongoing theme, doesn't it, Ruckus? Yeah. Chances are this uh, person would probably get in more trouble in China uh, because he screwed up and got caught, right? Yeah. yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. All right. Well, Ruckus, thank you very much, my friend. We'll talk to you in about an hour or so, brother. You have a good one. All That's right. Good. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Well, there you are. Uh, there's Ruckus. We got spies. We've got corruption in, D uh, in Atlanta. We've got corruption in uh, Trenton. And I'm sure we've got a lot more. You're listening and watching State of the Nation 
On today's News Talk TNT, we'll be right back after this. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The double standard is out there. It's so obvious. It's so frustrating. Eric Holder gets held in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Nothing happens. Obama's DOJ didn't pursue it. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro defy a congressional subpoena. Joe Biden's DOJ criminally prosecutes them. Criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right. I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. He's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian-born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today. News Talk, TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2% you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the three or 4% mortality that the the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. (laughs) When the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. You have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them. This is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Well, we're very pleased to welcome back to State of the Nation 
retired Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Sachs. Uh, he's joining us once again here. He's a friend of the show, and uh, he's got some big news for us today. If you've missed any of his other appearances, you should know that he received his commission in the U.S. Army from Norwich University in 2003, and he spent 20 years serving the U.S. Army in a variety of operational assignments, including deployments in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. And uh, he and his wife reside in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And uh, Jeffrey, welcome back to State of the Nation. So uh, it's my understanding that you're announcing a candidacy for Virginia's 7th Congressional District. Uh, congratulations. Tell us all about it. No, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's great. We had a, a fantastic event with my friend Riley Gaines last week in uh, Fredericksburg uh, with the Save America rally. You know, my mission is the Great Virginia Comeback. And uh, but this is not a campaign. This is a movement. This is a movement of parents that are fed up with the uh, indoctrination, the ideological warfare going on in our schools. They just want to see a return to those good principles of reading, writing and math. It's a movement of business owners, veterans and teachers that, you know, and working families that are living paycheck to paycheck with high interest rates and inflation. Um, and, and it's really a movement of those folks that are just saying enough is enough. I and mean, this eradication and erosion of the American spirit, you know, we just need to get back to what the, what it means to be an American and embrace those values. So it's a movement, grassroots movement. And I'm excited about it. We have a tremendous support. Um, and we're only four days into this thing. But, uh, you know, we've got tremendous support and uh, this is going. This is, you know, looking forward to it. Wow, that's really exciting. Way to go. Congratulations, uh, Lieutenant Colonel. Let me ask you this, Jeff, uh, what kind of, uh, well, for one, what kind of assistance have you gotten from uh, Governor uh, Glenn Youngkin's office? And is this an issue? You mentioned you were did a rally, I guess, with Riley Gaines. Uh, this, is, of course, is an issue that propelled Glenn Youngkin into the governor's seat. Uh, is this still a pretty hot, hot topic there in the Commonwealth of Virginia, huh? Well, well I think it absolutely is. Look, it's common sense. We cannot have men playing in women's sports. And it's really not really about the whole transgender thing. It's really about our, our youth. This movement is about the future generations. And I don't see a lot of uh, people in, in Washington talking about it. Uh, and, you know, the decisions that are made today are going to have lasting impacts for our youth. So absolutely, it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, it, we see it through USA Boxing, so all the stuff that, that Riley is fighting through. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, somebody's really going to get hurt. Um, and, and it's really about women's rights and protecting our youth. And let's stop this, this ideological warfare that's happened, this sexualization in schools and all the, it's nonsense. Let's get back to embracing those, those hardworking family values, um, and protecting our youth and being good role models and good citizens. That's really what it's about. So, you know, talking to a lot of parents, absolutely. It's still, a, it's still a hot issue. And I, you know, look, I, I, I love, I love, you know, our youth and our generation. That's what we're, that's what we're, we're, we're fighting for. So. Um, it's, it's gotta be about that. So it's a winning op. It's a winning uh, message. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a huge fight. I mean, when you look at what the youth are up against, you know, youth, it's a human condition in youth to sort of feel like one can sense that something is wrong in their society and sense that, you know, they need to rebel against it, but they don't necessarily have all the context to understand how to rebel. And then you have this massive media machine coming in, Hollywood, the Fortune 100s, 500s, you name it. And they're all pushing this uh, radical sexualization, sexual movement, gender movement on, on people that are, you know, uh, impressionable, 
vulnerable. I mean, isn't it insane that in some places they take away, I don't know, say flavored vapes because they say, oh, that that appeals to children while they're showing children, you know, sexualized content that is meant meant to not only appeal to them and the chemistry that in their body that they don't understand yet, but also to change them politically and, and medically for, for their entire lives, perhaps. Look, look, it, it's a winning message. I know there's probably some within the Republican Party that just want to steer away from cultural issues or cultural wars. Listen, I'm going to fight for our youth every day. Every single breath in me is going to fight for our youth and to be good role models and push back against this ideological warfare that's happening because it's evil and sinister. And that's not what it means to be an American. And fortunately, over the last several years, that's not that's all they've seen is just attack, attack, attack. And social media is a big is a big deal with that. And we know that that is a huge. But it starts with the parents and parents absolutely matter. They absolutely do. That's a winning message. And I support Governor Yunkin on that. Well, does Governor Yunkin support you? Has he come out and voiced vocal support for your candidacy yet? Or is it still just a little too fresh? I think it's I think it's fresh. Listen, uh, the, the governor has, had, has done a lot of hard work uh, over the, the you know last year in the off cycle election. But uh, with the secure the vote, I think that's one of the things that the Republicans need to get after and stay on the offense about it's, you know, winning Virginia is is doable. It just starts with getting out and talking to people, removing all the label stuff and just go talk to people about values and solutions. This campaign, this movement is about solutions. And, and that's why I feel that I'm the best candidate, because I don't hear anybody else talking about it. They want to talk about talking points, but it's actually what are you going to do in Congress to help, you know, you know, alleviate this pain at the pump, you know, get more money in my pocket every single month, give me more money so I can put food on the table um, and, and get the Department of uh, really the government and but the Department of Education off the backs of people um, and push it back towards the states. That's one of the areas that's in my pillar of my plan. But uh, that's what we got to get back to. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. But it's still fresh. Uh, but I'd love it. I, hey, if the governor wants to come sit down with me, he knows me. He knows I'm running. So uh, but uh, if he wants to come talk to me, I'm not going to I'm not going to talk to anybody. That, that's how I am. doesn't matter what you are. Yes, there absolutely. All right, uh, Jeffrey, we have to take a headline here. We've got a headline inbound. And on the other side, um, I'd like to get some more thoughts from you. We've talked to you before about your thoughts on the southern border and the absolute crisis that that is and what an open goal it is for um, anyone campaigning right now to bring that discussion to the forefront. So after the headline, we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about that right here on State of the Nation at today's News Talk. Here's what's making news. 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 TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The Ukrainian Defense Ministry has purchased 50,000 sets of women's uniforms for the first time since the conflict began. This development precedes a parliamentary vote on proposed amendments to the law and mobilization, which has sparked controversy and accusations of being unconstitutional particularly regarding the conscription of women. The Fort Worth Fire Department reported that a suspected gas explosion at the Sandman Signature Hotel in downtown Fort Worth, Texas, resulted in at least 21 people being injured. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. The author of Decline and Decay of the U.S. Constitutional Order, Jeffrey Sachs, is with us. Now, Jeffrey, um, thank you for bringing this announcement to State of the Nation in today's news talk. We really appreciate it. You know you're a friend of the show, and we support you, and we're really happy to be announcing this for you today. Um, talk to us a little bit about the border situation. I've noticed that in Congress, you know, we were talking yesterday on the show, Congress, 
Their power is the purse, the purse strings. Yet we keep seeing money just flying out the out of the country, going to NGOs, going to this, going to that, going to foreign conflicts, while we're actually in the middle of a massive border crisis, a fentanyl crisis, human trafficking crisis. How does this play into your campaign? Yeah, no, absolutely. I love the question. So first of all, $34.0 trillion in, in, in their national debt, right? We got to stop spending money like it's monopoly money and and go and actually shoveling it to where it matters. And that's hardworking families, number one. But number two is the border, the out of control border situation. This is very, very simple is, you know, we got to start enforcing the laws. That's number one. Give Border Patrol all the resources that they need. Go back to the, the Trump area uh, policy. The reason why Trump was elected in 2016, we all know because the American people are not turning a blind eye to this. They absolutely see what's going on. That's why he was elected, you know, in catch and release. Go to catch and deport you know, remain in Mexico, those kind of things. Put more attorneys and judges down there um, instead of giving them hey, a, a summons five, six, eight years down the road, which are never going to show up. This is very, very simple. It can be done. We just need leaders that understand, number one, that are accountable. We've got to need accountability and stop running from it. Um, so this election is about courage, moral courage and, and, and leadership. Um, and it's ridiculous. It, it's a failure in leadership. And, and it's just uh, I think the American people are just have had enough of it. Um, you know, every state's a border state. It absolutely is. And we got to end this fentanyl crisis, too. We got to go after them. So, uh, again, fund the wall, build the wall, enforce it with our military capabilities, enforce the walls and give give our border patrol the resources they need and start going after some of these manufacturers, drug manufacturers that are pouring the fentanyl into our um, and China is a part of it. So we got to get after that piece, too. Very simple. Yeah. Well, I got to say, Jeffrey, we all know that what's going on with uh, Governor Abbott in Texas, it's racist. And I know that because uh, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson told us it was racist. Uh, Eric Adams told us it was racist because all of these are all of these immigrants are being shipped to cities with black mayors. I mean, it's just absurd. And I, I want to circle back to, to, to leadership because you touched on that. Uh, but before I do, I want to put a fine point on this this DEI crap. And this pushing of the gender stuff. What they're doing here is they're trying to mint new Democrats. That's what they're doing. DEI is code for progressive think. And that's all that's about. But to your point on leadership, we just saw the Secretary of Defense check himself into the hospital for what was reported as elective surgery. Apparently, his chief of staff couldn't be bothered to inform the White House because the chief of staff had the flu. We we learned more about the chief of staff's illness than we did about Lloyd Austin's illness. And as it turns out, this elective surgery was to treat prostate cancer. Um, what do you make of this whole complete breakdown in communication in the chain of command between the uh, Secretary of Defense uh, and the administration? Well, well, first, I, I do hope the speedy recovery of the secretary, but this is yes, just another of example. Of, yeah, this is just another example of the ineptitude and the failed leadership uh, across the board that we've seen in the last three years. It started with the botched withdrawal of Afghanistan. This is the same administration that let a Chinese spy balloon come up, converse across the United States. This is the same administration that is orchestrating a designed invasion on the southern border. This is the same administration that goes after our sons and daughters that are serving their, their nation and kicks them out because they don't want to take a vaccine. But oh, by the way, ask for their then the return once the retention numbers get lowered. This is the same administration that failed leadership that we have to get out. I, I, I could have remembered a few years ago when they said we couldn't wait to get the adults in the room. But boy, we cannot wait to get those adults back in the room because this is ridiculous. It needs to end immediately. 
Yeah. I always hated that trope. Oh my, it was so, I mean, I don't know. Ever since the, the Trump era came around, there's just this infantilization and uh, degradation of, you know, half of the American public or more at this point. I mean, do you think that the, um, cause so much of this is driven by the mass media cartel, you know, of course you've got your, your people up there on Capitol Hill, um, you know, parroting or driving some of the talking points and all that. But I don't think it would hit near as hard. Like you mentioned social media earlier and what a, you know, I, I'm trying not to use the word blight, but politically and culturally, it has been an absolute blight over the last 10 to 15 years. You know, once we all reconnected with our high school friends and said hello again, it just started turning into this, you know, this snowball effect that we're seeing right now. I mean, what do you think that could be done um, aside from what we're doing right here at today's news talk with you to sort of take that narrative back away from this mass media cartel and say, Hey, this isn't a racist country. This is a country full of Americans. Well, we need people to get off the sidelines. Number one, 2024 is the most pivotal moment in our Republic. I absolutely believe that we need people that embrace the 1776 values. We need to dig deep on that and start electing, start electing people that actually care about your interests, not DC bureaucrats interests. And it, it, it listen, the hard reality is, gentlemen, that there's no one politician that's going to come save you. It's going to take all of us collectively coming in, coming together, talking to our youth, going out and talking to people, saying, "Get off, like sh you know, shaking them, like, hey, do you know what's going on?" And because you're absolutely right, it's the it's the industrial complex of you know the DNC, the media complex, our politicians, our political establishment, all coming together um, in lockstep, and we got to start pushing back on that and to end it, or we're not going to have a country anymore. We are a national embarrassment right now stage and it's 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 not just an embarrassment but there's so many national securities we're so vulnerable and so weak right now um that we just got 2024 is got to get off the sidelines immediately got to get off there and start getting in the game and that's why i'm that's, running that's right no apathy no the the no apathy party that's what you should run as because we have been apathetic towards this this is the reason why i think that this you mentioned the uh, the corruptocrats in the dnc and then of course the uh, media industrial complex can't forget academia can't forget hollywood all of the all of the levers that move the social zeitgeist are controlled by the left and they're pushing stuff that is not only antithetical to who we are as a nation they're trying to tear it down we just saw the biden administration withdraw plans to remove the William Penn statue in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, for God's sakes, it's named after William Penn. And they would have you believe that William Penn is a racist and nobody deserves to uh, even remember him anymore, much like the dead Democrat statues that they removed. Um, I've never seen such a concerted effort to destroy the, the traditions, the values, and frankly, the shared history of the country as the Democrats and the media and the Hollywood and all those others that I've just mentioned uh, are undertaking right now. Doesn't it shock you uh, that so many people in this country despise the even the very notion of the country? It, it almost makes you ask the question, why are you here? If you don't like America so much, why are you absolutely here? Uh, but it's totalitarianism. I read it in that book, The Cloud and Decay of the U.S. Constitutional Order. I read, write about it. It's, it's rewriting of history. It's, you know, we don't like the national anthem, what it stands for. They just want to totally rewrite it. And we're being destroyed from within. But you know what? We do have an obligation just to push back on that. We saw what happened to Bud Light. You know, let's push back on some of these uh, woke 
corporate companies, you know, we're not going to buy your stuff anymore. Collectively, we've got to say enough is enough. And you know what? Money talks. Money absolutely talks. And, and with, with these academias, you know, I would pull their, if I was in Congress right now today, and I hope I get there, that I will pull their federal funding. And I don't, all this anti-Semitic groups and pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian that are happening in our, our campuses. And, and luckily, the, you know, uh, the Harvard, all these presidents are, are resigning. But it's just absolutely ridiculous. Pull the money back and say enough is enough. We're not, we're not sending, we're not, we're not feeding and enabling this anymore. Uh, but yeah, it does shock me. It, it absolutely does. But we have an opportunity to, to get off the sidelines and save this country, save this Republic. And that's what we intend to do in this campaign. All right. Lieutenant Colonel Sachs, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people follow you and support you? You got a website, any social media you want to shout out? Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Go to jeffsachsforcongress.com. Join the Sachs Brigade. Or you can follow me at Sachs2024. Let's do this together. It's about us being together. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. And we'll look forward to your next appearance here on State of the Nation at today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. Two, think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighborhood safer place. Three, it's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire, and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. You ever heard of a polyp? Sounds like a rare species of toad. Actually, it's a lump that grows inside me, your bowel. Look, I'm pretty sure if you had a strange lump growing on your forehead, you might get it looked at, right? But when they're growing inside me, nothing, nada. And the polyps I get can lead to Australia's second deadliest cancer. So, until there's a way to make them grow on your face, it's up to you to get me looked at. Got it? Interviews, news and views. You're listening to State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right. Well, campaign campaign season is well underway, but it really gets ramped up in about six days with the Hawkeye Caucus, as they call it, the Iowa Caucus. Now, we at State of the Nation have been focusing a lot of our attention on the presidential race for good reason. I mean, Trump is in the news on a 24-7 loop. But, you know, the House and the Senate races are vitally important as well, just as we just had Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Sachs on. He's running for uh, Virginia 7 as a Congress uh, for a congressman. We've also now got our friend Eddie Garcia is joining us again. He's running as a Republican Senate candidate from the Commonwealth of Virginia. And Eddie, uh, it's great to see you. How's the campaign going? And a happy new year to you, sir. Oh, happy to new, happy new year to you guys too. The campaign's going great. Uh, I'm on day four of a seven-day road trip right now across the Commonwealth. Uh, every day that goes by, the campaign grows a little bit more. We get more uh, We get more supporters. We get more enthusiasm. I think 2024 is going to be a real big year for America. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what? And I notice on uh, your website, um, eddiegarciava.com, uh, you mentioned community. You talk about community, and we were just talking with Mr. Sachs about community and the the grassroots level right now really seems to be a place that is important because uh, people are starting to shy away from the mass media cartels polls and their debates people are really looking for something tangible something that feels real something that doesn't feel you know like a dog and pony show which you know even the rnc has been very bad about that you know and of course their chair person's taking a lot of flack for it but for you in in this run like how important is that community building and community communication outside of the mass media it's the most important aspect, I think, of civilization as well as my campaign. Uh, community it means a lot to me, and and I think the what you're seeing uh, in reference to that is a strong desire for authenticity. Uh, people are tired of the, the the facade that the media has created. Uh, they're tired of candidates. Uh, who don't interact with regular people, who stay close to their donors, who raise a lot of money, who uh, who, who feel threatened by, uh, by by people asking them questions that they're not prepared for. And, and, and we're sick and tired of that as, as citizens. I know I am. I, I'm tired of watching the news myself uh, just because it's the same old same every single day. And so the, you, you've seen this shift in the media towards uh, independent media sites and uh, where there's more authentic conversations, more authentic debates and, and, and discussions over real issues that affect real people, not uh, what, what the what, what the higher ups and the, the, the Washington elite in Washington, D.C. Uh, would want us to be talking about fighting about. Uh, uh, and so that's what I see the most. And so I, I'm I'm a I'm a blue collar bottoms up Republican uh, talking about working class issues, talking about kitchen table issues. Uh, and, and that matters to people. They want uh, a community that has a good school system. They want a community where churches are free to worship without the government trying to ask questions and intrude. Uh, they, they want community where they can build friendships without everything having to do with some kind of culture war that divides us amongst race, creed, or or, or gender, or anything else. Uh, that's what the desire is for. It's countercultural to be traditional. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thunk? Um, you know, I, I, I gotta say that, um, everything you've just touched on is so true. I think a lot of Americans are kind of sick of, uh, sick of the, uh, the blood sport that politics has become. I wonder, Eddie, are, are we going to see, or do you think, and I, I'm asking you to kind of look into your crystal ball here. Are we ever going to see a point where politicians and politics in general writ large can get back to laying out policies in an even tempered way bipartisan debate or are we forever more locked into this uh, this cycle of blood sport media is going to side up with one side and all republicans whether you're a trumper or an anti-trumper it matters not if you're not walking with the uniparty and with the media uh, you're going to get crushed are we ever going to get back to those days of good old-fashioned american politicking or is it blood sport from here on out I believe we're going to I believe we're in this process of turning back uh, to to statesmanship, to policy solutions uh, right now. It, it, and if my campaign has anything to do with it, that's exactly how we're going to win. Uh, I try to stay out of the outrage politics. Uh, 
believe it or not, I don't, I don't believe whether or not you're on one side or the other de de determines whether you're a patriot or a traitor to the nation. Uh, that's the way the channels on TV would, uh, would would have you think that either you're on the the, the side of of good or you're on the side of evil, and 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 uh, th that's just not where most people are. I think it it turns off a lot of people, uh, which is why you see the interest in it uh, down. You see voting trends down outside of presidential elections. Uh, I'm meeting with working class people, uh, grassroots uh, communities and families and organizations every single day. And I try to lay out, lay out policy solutions in a way that even if we don't agree on 100% of everything, that's fine. But we can uh, we can agree that the problems exist. There needs to be a solution. And then we can find a consensus on how do we get to solutions to, to solve these major issues that people know. I, I, tell, I, I tell everybody I speak with, if you make less than $75,000 in America, I don't care whether you're Republican, Democrats, independents, libertarians, progressives, socialists, you have the same problems. Your, your kids are in failing schools. Your border is a mess. You have crime and fentanyl. The suicide rates are up. Uh, your debt, uh, household debts are high. Interest rates are rising. Rents are unaffordable. I mean, these are real issues. And so uh, it, it may not be the, the thing that gets me on, on, on national TV by, by saying, something outrageous but it's what people uh, are affected the most by and and that's uh, that that I believe that is the the, the path forward with with real solutions from real people uh, that also come from real people yeah, yeah you know and and that's one of the the levels of of nuance that just loves to be buried by the mass media they love to bury all of that anything that we have a, a commonality upon is not discussed at all. I mean, and the conservative, if you can even call them that corporate media, uh, they, they're equally guilty of it. You know, they're, they're coming into the culture war uh, with a, you know, I mean, they're, they're bucking against it, but they do it in a way that pushes the same outrage button in the opposite party. And I was reading something today about, um, you know, people that are uh, Democrats and, and Republicans and, you know, that, that live by the identity politic. And it was a staggering figure. I don't have it to hand, so I'm paraphrasing. Someone can fact check me. But it was um, like 60% on one side thought that the other side was immoral and 70% on the other side thought that everyone on the opposite side was immoral. And, and when you have that sort of identity politic cemented at that percentage rate, it kind of under underscores what Steve's asking there. Like, are we locked in a two party system where nobody's going to be able to to break through? And I think what you're saying is you can break through to your community. You can break through to this audience. You can break through where you're going to be heard. But will you you know, is that enough to break through the the you know, the the, the fog of political war from the mass media? Well, welcome to a, an insurgent political candidate uh, campaign right here. That, that that's yeah. that's the fight that I'm that, that's the fight that I'm fighting right now. Is that somebody who who is not in the political for a, a, a frame? I, I don't have a political background. I'm coming after 22 years of the military, seeing these divides. I, I would tell you, I spent a lot of time in the Middle East. I have six combat deployments. Uh, the way. Uh, our society seems to be trending is more along the lines of the sectarian, uh, the sectarian division that you see in the Middle East, uh, and, and that's not anything that I want to see. I also, uh, I also think that I'm not the only one seeing this. There's a lot of veterans. You mentioned Mr. Sachs before. Uh, he's a veteran, also. That when when veterans who have served this nation 
who have seen evil up close, who have seen this type of division and violence and rhetoric before, when they start to get involved in, in politics because they see something bad ha happening, maybe we should all pay attention and, and start giving that uh, 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 some, some attention as well. And so yeah. uh, th that's it. We're trying to trying to raise ra name recognition, trying to raise money, and uh, from a, from someone who hasn't done it before, fighting against the establishment who wants more and more control, and they drive that control through money, and they and they drive that money through outrage uh, and, and division. And so we're trying to break through. And and I I don't have a lot of talents. One of the talents I think I do have is is a one heck of a work ethic. Um, so so I'm standing against that brick wall, and I got a sledgehammer, and I'm keeping hammering. I'm going to keep hammering until we get through it. Uh, and I think uh, I think we're starting to see it uh, crack here in Virginia. People are tired of the same old same. Uh, my, my opponent is a 30 year politician uh, who, who's who's governed people's lives for 30 years. I don't know how you can come after 30 years and say, now I have ideas on how to bring us together. Uh, if What have you been doing for the last three decades? And so uh, that's the pitch that I'm making across the Commonwealth. And, and I, I, I'm seeing a lot of positive uh, momentum there. And, and I'm sure it's going to keep up in the future. Well, you know, from your lips to God's ears, Eddie uh, Garcia, because I must say that Virginia, it was quite a shock the way uh, Glenn Youngkin won that race. And, you know, because prior to Youngkin's win, everybody was kind of saying, well, it's very much a purple state, maybe leaning a little bit magenta, maybe leaning a little bit more blue. But uh, it seems to me that with candidates like you and candidates like uh, Jeffrey Sachs running for Congress, that maybe things are starting to shake up a little bit in Virginia. And it does, it, 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 I think it's important, you know, the media is going to focus on the presidential race for all the obvious reasons, the incompetency of Joe Biden. They're going to cover for that. Uh, Trump always gets clicks, likes, shares. Uh, so, so they're going to focus on Trump and, the, and, and all that. But the down ballot in this particular election is so incredibly important. Why don't you talk to us? about how important the down-ballot races are, Senate, congressional races, everything from city council to state uh, state legislatures. Uh, it's very important. This is the year, isn't it? Well, well, it is. And you see both the House and the Senate are, are pretty divided. So each, each seat matters, uh, which means there's going to be a lot of money thrown in a lot of directions. Now, I don't expect any of it to come my way because that's just the way I was raised. If you didn't earn it, don't expect it from someone else. Uh, so, so we're doing the work that we have to do. Uh, I, I would tell you, yeah, the, the the presidential race is going to get a lot of attention this year. I, I tell people the more I talk about them, the less I'm talking about defeating Tim Kaine. So, I, so I'm really focused on that. And and to your to your point. Uh, about Virginia itself. Virginia is a purple state and it's probably lean and blue. Uh, uh, my Republican friends don't like to, to admit that, but that's just the truth. Um, but, but the good part of it is, is that the vast majority, the, the largest percentage of of people in Virginia call themselves independent. And so uh, while the Democrats outnumber the Republicans, independents outnumber both of them. And so there's there's an educated um, uh, uh, workforce here in Virginia. There's also a, a large growing 
uh, a minority community. It's a very diverse population within Virginia, uh, which also plays well to me. It may not play well to other Republicans, but for for, for me and my campaign, it sure does. And we're reaching out to, to all of those communities, all those workers, people who, who are landscapers and 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 construction workers and and waiters and waitresses and and, and pipe fitters and, and farmers and ranchers and all those people in rural in, in, in rural Virginia. And we're, we're we're trying to energize them, turn them out for the Garcia campaign, uh, and and then. When we do, there's going to be a lot of shock. There's going to be a lot of shocking on and 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 people are going to be wondering just how this political newcomer was able to, to reach people that we haven't been able to reach before with this blue collar working class message. And I think even if you see at the national level where there's a lot of people, uh, you know, the, the blacks and Hispanics have made a lot of news because they're they're trending away from the Democrats because the Democrats are now the party uh, of the elite. They're the party of the well to do. They're the party of the establishment. They're the party of this the, the, this facade we talked about earlier. And they're looking for somebody more authentic, uh, like them or love them or hate them, uh, you don't get much authentic, much more authentic than President Trump at the at the top of the ticket. And I got my own authenticity message here uh, for for Hispanics, for working class people, from from for veterans right here in the Commonwealth too. And so that we're, I believe we're poised to shock a lot of people. And once we do, uh, there'll there'll be a lot of hand wringing and reassessing on where we go as a party. And I think it's more blue collar, it's more working class, it's more kitchen table issues. Yeah, yeah, I think so, Mr. Garcia. Let me ask you. Um... What is it like running against someone with such a massive staff, such a, you know, massive purse, all, all this, you know, massive track record, albeit not very good. Um, what, how does that work for someone like you? Like, I mean, in, in the last few minutes, can you kind of just describe like this seems sounds like a David and Goliath sort of situation politically and financially? Well, it is, it, it is. But luckily for me, uh, I grew up hand to mouth and nobody's ever given me anything. So I don't expect anything. I, I, I believe uh, I believe that if I work my hardest and I do what I need to do and I focus on my goals, I, I've been told that, that I couldn't do things my whole life. I was told that I would never make uh, to be able to handle the military because I was too crazy and undisciplined as a kid, as a young man. Uh, I did 22 years. They, 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 uh, I was number two. I was a two ranked the, the second captain in all of the army at the at a 55,000 company grade officers in 2016 I was ranked number 2 uh, out of all those people I was a two-time boxing champion in the army people said I couldn't do it cuz I didn't come up uh I didn't have enough time boxing but it, but th this is nothing new to me I'm 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 a ranger school grad first time through 62 days uh doing things that are tough is not anything new to me. Uh, my, my family and I are 100 percent dedicated. We keep marching forward. We keep our eyes on the prize. We 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 do what we have to do. Uh, we, we pray every night. Uh, we shake hands. We build community. And, and, and I think people see the work ethic. If they see you sacrificing for them, that they they have a natural inclination to sacrifice for you. And even if they can't sacrifice for you, they can cheer you on. They can support you. They can share your content. They can tell their friends. Uh, they can put a sign in their yard, a bumper sticker on their car. They can do something to help you because they, at, at a minimum, I can inspire someone else to step up in their local community and, and take on uh, somebody that uh, they, they're supposedly unbeatable. Well, I tell you what, um, Eddie Garcia, uh, you're, you're quite an inspiration. I certainly do wish you and your candidacy the best of luck. Now, you may have gotten a lot of places without a lot of help, but you're going to need, uh, need a little bit in Virginia. So just remember, everybody, EddieGarciaVA.com. That's EddieGarciaVA.com. Every single Senate candidate, uh, no matter what state they're in, 
It's become a national election, really. So go throw a few bucks to Eddie if you can. Let me just ask you in closing here, Eddie, real quick. Um, I know it's still, you, you know, you still got to settle out who's going to be the primary winner and all this, and we got to get to that point. But has the RNC and Mitch McConnell reached out to you at all in any way? No, sir. They they, they have uh, not. Well, and, and, well, we'll and, and you know what? I, and I don't, I don't, I don't begrudge them. I don't expect, I don't expect them to. Uh, I, I'm running on a on a on, on a message that they haven't run on in the past. I don't know if they'll if they'll change their messaging. I don't know if they'll start uh, putting policies forward for, for for working people. If they'll start yeah. uh, cutting taxes on the middle class. We gotta let we gotta let you go because of the time. But thank you so much, Eddie Garcia, VA.com. God bless you, sir. Best of luck to you, uh, and we'll see you next time. This is State of the Nation on TNT.